The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Not quite as early as I wanted to get today's show out, but a little bit better by about, what, an hour or so? I'm getting there. Slowly but surely, I'm getting there. Might have to... Might have to skip lunch. That might be the issue. It's going to be really... uh, It's going to be tough this year to get it out first thing in the morning, just with the way schedules align. Last year, as much as the pandemic was absolutely the worst and my schedule was just a cluster mess of childcare, usually... I could get coverage by like nine in the morning. Now it's it's closer to like eleven or twelve. Um, so the pot will come a little bit later. But you know what? That's all the more reason for you guys to follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D A N B E S B R I S, because that is where the tweet storm happens. You can get your box score analysis from me on social as the games are ending the night before. So hopefully I'll see you there for the three gamer little baby-sized tweet storm tonight. That said, welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am your host, Dan Bespris. You've already heard that. And this is a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, the website, at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter. That's up around 6K in uh, follows right now. Things have, been, things have been picking up a little bit here, NBA-wise. I think everybody was just waiting until the last possible second this year. I'll tell you this. Fantasy friends, I am in 13 leagues this year, which is far and away the most I've ever done. And I think nine of them are cash leagues, and I've I, this too much. I've gone too far. I finally figured out what was too far. This is too far. But we'll figure it out. I think there's, it's just going to be a learning curve. You know, when I, when I went from like three leagues to six, it took me like a month to figure out which team was which. And then six became eight, and eight became nine, and then nine became... 13 and whatever the hell it is this year and uh it's just gonna be a little bit of a learning curve i just can't figure out which players are on which team and then those of you out there that do yahoo public leagues if you're in a couple of them the freaking leagues are just named yahoo public and then five numbers i figure out what the hell it is five numbers if it's roto six if it's head to head that's the only way i can tell the damn things apart at least i know oh those two are the roto ones but I'll figure it out. My strife, my plight, this is not your problem. <laughs> it could be. You listen to the pod, so it is now. We got a big Wednesday to recap on today's show. You guys know how it goes. We're going to go through the news first, the night before recap second, and the homework assignment for this coming evening third. And the big news of the day. By the way, the big news is not going to be some injury stuff from the night before. We'll cover that when... We're actually going through the stuff from the night before. Big news of the day is that Ben Simmons has come out to say he's just not mentally ready to be back with the 76ers yet. And look, I like how we got to this point is sad. But now that we're here, I think the, the immediate visceral reaction when you hear someone say, oh, I'm just not like mentally ready to play basketball yet, is to crack on Ben Simmons. I would offer this little analysis. 
Ben Simmons did a lot of really dumb stuff to get to this point. Sixers have not been particularly guilt-free in this either, but Simmons' general refusal to grow his game is what... I mean, that was the spark that got us to this point. But now that we're at this point, he tried to hold out. He knows his teammates don't really want him there anymore. And so there's this... Like, just try to... Try to picture this happening in your own life. I know that's not going to be easy because surely we're all adults here that listen to this podcast. I don't know. I bet there's a handful of you out there that aren't adults. I don't know which one is it all. It is, but somebody listening to this show isn't. <laughs> you guys are going to kill me for this one. Uh, but just try to put yourself somehow in Simmons' shoes, like wherever you work. I worked in a minor league baseball facility for a very long time. I was a play-by-play guy and assistant general manager. So I'll just use that as more of an office environment way to compare this, where right now, working with hoopball, I'm not in an office. If everybody hoopball hated me, I probably wouldn't even know it. I mean, I'd hope that they'd tell me I'm being a butthead, but I might not even know it. I talked to a handful of our guys about life. That's cool. So that's, I guess, sort of office-like. Point I'm making is, when you go to a regular office or a work environment where you see other people on a day-to-day basis, I'm picturing myself now. What if I told everyone that I worked with at the Bakersfield Blaze that I had all these things I wasn't doing up to the standard that they wanted, but I was unwilling to change because I guess I'm a prima donna. (laughs) Dan, your broadcasts aren't good enough. You need to do X, Y, and Z. And I would just say, meh, and go home and not do anything about it. Yeah, they'd be a little bit annoyed with me. And then I picture myself now going into, say, a new season, because I did work in sports. That part sort of corresponds. But even if you just say, like, oh, like everybody was away for a month or two, and then your office got back together, and one of the people on payroll just was like, nope. I don't really want to come back. You guys weren't very nice to me. I wasn't, I didn't look good. And so, no. Well, now, this is, again, I'm trying to put myself in in Simmons' shoes. Now I'm holding out, as it were. In a normal office environment, you'd just call that, like, being a pill. And then all of a sudden, I realize they're not paying me, so I show up to work again. You think anybody's going to want me there at that point? No, and they're going to treat me like it. They're going to smile and nod and say, welcome back, Dan, but no one's going to be my friend, and I'm going to be on my own, and I'm going to be more lonely in the facility than I was when I was out of it, because at least when Simmons was at home, he could delude himself into thinking that someone might be okay with it. When he was met with those looks, the stares the cold shoulders, the indifferent gaze, whatever it might be. That crap hit home, and so now he feels like crap. He feels isolated, he feels alone, so of course he's not ready to be back with the team because they don't want him there, and he feels he feels bad. Not that he feels remorseful, he just feels bad. 
From a fantasy standpoint, this means that Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel need to remain on all of our fantasy teams until further notice. We don't know how this situation is going to end, when it's going to end, although it seems, I would venture to guess, pretty reasonable to assume he's getting traded at some point. I mean, they could get over it. Like, at some point, maybe the team, you know, they smoked their clunky opponent yesterday, but maybe they lose a few games in a row. It's like, oh, well, maybe we want Ben Simmons back after all, and everybody hugs and gets over it, but it would take time in that instance. Point is, Maxie's got a wide-open door. Dybul, and we'll talk about this game in a minute, played a ton of minutes. I know he doesn't do much besides defensive stats, but damn, does he do those. Folks, if you have a few moments, please do rate and review the podcast. I'm going to try to keep pushing for that here as we work our way into the regular season now. Uh, it remains annoyingly difficult to get to that page. So hit subscribe. And then if you could, on your mobile device, in the podcast app, search for Fantasy NBA Today. Or if you're on iTunes, same thing. Go to the podcast tab, search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title. And if it's a mobile device, just scroll down to the bottom if it's on iTunes, there's a little rate and review button. However you find it, please do throw that five-star review on the show. I will be forever grateful. I can see that actually a number of you have done this over the last week or two. So thank you to everybody that's taken those few seconds to do it. It means a ton to me. Every time you hit that subscribe button, every time a new rating pops up, that's a good one. It just helps us move up the board and stay up the board. And that's what we want. That's what we want. So thank you for that. I'm going to keep asking you here, um, particularly if you guys, uh, if you like it. If you don't, I mean, listen, I got no problem if you guys hit me up on Twitter. Everybody was like, Dan, you got to get into this stuff quicker. So the entire draft season, I added that segment right at the front end of the show, just leaping right into a player profile. And today's show, I guess we talked a little bit about how many fantasy teams is too many, but that's... Uh, a little more about me than it is about you guys, and, and for that, I apologize. Let's talk about yesterday's gigantic Wednesday card. We'll have to move through it a little bit quicker than we did yesterday when we could spend 20 minutes uh, on two games. I'd like to try to get through 11 games in about 20 or 30 minutes today, but uh, you know, given the fact that five of them were pretty much over by halftime, I think we can probably pull this one off and kind of focus on the more critical elements of what happened on Wednesday evening. First game on the dock, and Indiana got out to a really nice start. Charlotte came roaring back. Huge game from LaMelo Ball. And I admit, I wasn't as high on him as everybody else. I, I'll say this. You know, night one, this is an opportunity for everybody to smash egg in my face. I do think that this is going to level off. Kid's not going to average seven three-pointers. But 23 shots, if he's going to be getting that many looks every game, that's a big deal. Nine rebounds, seven assists, two steals. That's the type of stuff that I think we expected coming into the year. But made both free throws and shot 48% on damn high volume. I don't think those things actually stick. But if they do, then he's as good as where he was getting drafted. Like if he's a net neutral field goal percent guy and a positive free throw guy, well, the whole complexion changes. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, I think he probably settles more into like that 30 to 50 range, and he's generally getting drafted at like 24. So still, I believe, a tiny bit too early, which I know is kind of a dumb thing to say after the dude puts up 31, 7, and 9. 
in any event, other news from this ball game, like Lamelo, who cares? Because everybody, he's on every fantasy team. He he's rostered in every fantasy league on the planet. Same story with Demonis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon. Those guys are all on fantasy teams. Gordon Hayward, also the same story. The more fringy guys here. That's where I think we want to focus our attention first. T.J. McConnell, six points, seven assists, a steal, two blocks. That's exactly what we were expecting out of T.J. I think maybe the hope was that he'd make one additional shot. But if you get that, eight and seven with nice defensive numbers, that's what we're gunning for with him. So that's fine. Justin Holiday, 11, seven, and four in 26 minutes. That's not enough playing time for him generally to do uh, inside top 100 stuff, so I'm not leaping at Holiday. Jeremy Lamb, 24 minutes, went one for nine from the field. I do wonder if that number moves up here on days when Chris Duarte is not lava hot. 27 points on only 15 shots for Duarte. I don't think he's getting 15 shots most ball games, frankly. Certainly not getting 27 points. That said, he's a reasonable stream at 33 minutes here until Karis Levert gets back. Streamer with benefits? Yeah, maybe. I mean, we don't know when Levert's coming back into the mix. This is He's not a guy that I'm, like, sprinting out for and throwing things if I didn't get to him fast enough because there is kind of a shelf life thing going on. But he should be decent here for a couple of weeks. The downside, of course, is even in this giant ballgame for Duarte, he didn't really do much besides hit three-pointers. Five boards, that's okay, but one assist, one steal. That tells me he's not that heavily involved in anything that wasn't shooting a three-pointer at the end of a play. Miles Turner, only 26 minutes in this ballgame also. That's something worth monitoring, although he had four blocks. So, you know, take what you get. Good first game for Miles Bridges, 13-8-4, three steals, a block, and a three-pointer. My big question with him was, does, he, does the confidence from last year carry over on a healthy Charlotte team? And, well, we didn't really get to see a healthy Charlotte team because there was no Terry Rozier. That moved Kelly Oubre into the starting lineup. He still wasn't good enough for a roster spot. Bridges looks like he's locked into a, a solid role, so that's good. Can we call him, like, new Harrison Barnes? Although there's more defensive upside there. Harrison had a huge game. I was actually intrigued by uh, one main thing, and that was the center position battle, which was one handily by Mason Plumley. I do think some of that is because Demonis Sabonis on the other side would just curl P.J. Washington up into a ball and devour him whole, and not that he didn't do that to Plumley also, but Mason played 32 minutes in yesterday's ball game, 8, 10, and 5, missed three free throws. Otherwise, it actually went a, bit of a pretty good ball game for him. That, to me, is a, is a solid mark for Plumley. although I don't know that he gets this high when they're not facing a team with a prolific big man in the middle. Still, Plumley, I think, needs to be on your team, and you got to give P.J. Washington a little bit more time because I do think he'll play more against a team that doesn't run as big as the Pacers do. Reason for slight concern on the Miles Turner front, though. The 26 minutes, like, he did have four fouls, but that's not overwhelming. Keep an eye on that. Chicago, trying to get their new pieces to fit together, scored 94 points, but luckily it was enough because Detroit has no offensive game at all. Their whole team is just a, an offensive void. Zach Levine had 34. The rest of his team had 60. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan was okay. Vooch had 15 rebounds but couldn't shoot the ball. Lonzo Ball looked out of sorts also. I faded the Bulls in this game, and I missed by a half a point. I had Detroit catching five and a half, I believe, or was it just five? Either way, 
Uh, close one, coin flip kind of betting thing, but I, I do think Chicago is going to struggle here in the early going. If they play a team that can actually take advantage of a defense that hasn't really played together before and an offense that hasn't really played together before, the Bulls are going to get off to a weird start. But they got four guys that belong on fantasy rosters. The one that I wonder about is Patrick Williams. And we talked to Brew about Patrick on the HB6 episode a few days ago, and I did push back on this one a little. It was the one guy on the HB6 where I was like, this one, you need to convince me a little bit. Because I just, like, he only took three shots in 29 minutes in this game, and I worry that actually might not be that crazy for him. He's just not going to have to do anything at all on the offensive side of the ball. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm fully bought in on that one. For Detroit, no Cade Cunningham, so that's going to shake everything up here a lot. Jeremy Grant is going to get plenty of shots. Sadiq Bey is going to get plenty of shots. Isaiah Stewart looked pretty good in his 26 minutes. Kelly Olynyk split the center minutes. Not one of those guys played a second at power forward in this game, which is a little bit disconcerting. Um, so keep a watch on that. They may end up just ruining each other, which is a damn shame. Although both guys could actually be okay in like a 25-23 minute split. Uh, and then Killian Hayes is not someone we ever really talked about on the show, and the reason is because he's not fantasy relevant. So I hope that was fairly straightforward. Washington blew out Toronto. You can throw out a lot of the stuff in this ballgame, but a few uh, more interesting notes. Daniel Gafford, 22 minutes, looked really good as the starting center in this opener. Might have squeezed out another minute or two late if this ballgame was closer. Same general story for Bradley Beal, who was decent, but not great. Like, a lot of guys are going to be... A lot of guys are going to be rusty on night one. But he had four steals and went eight for eight at the free throw line. So it turned out fine, if unspectacular. Montrez Harrell just chewed up the Toronto front court for 22-9. and nine. He won't be this good most days. Denny Avdia didn't play enough. Aul Neto is someone I think I... I think I may have even gotten him in a 30-team league somewhere. Kuzma, 15 rebounds... And that probably doesn't happen every game. I doubt Gafford only has five most nights. But Kuz is just a percentages wreck. So you're not diving into that one. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, they'll keep his minutes in check here, I would think, for at least the first few weeks of the season. He has giant fantasy holes. Bad field goal percent. Not great. Like, kind of generally around league average free throw percent for a guard. Doesn't get defensive stats. Doesn't shoot that many threes. He's points and assists only and was probably overdrafted in your category league. Much more suited to points. Davis Bertans didn't get any playing time at all. You can go ahead and drop him if he was your last round pick on a flyer. On the Toronto side, Goran Dragic started, played 22 minutes. He has giant fantasy issues, so don't bother. OG Ananobi was as cold as anyone on the planet. Yikes. What's that? 3 for 17, 11 points, 10 boards, 2 steals, a block, 2 three-pointers. The field goal percent was uh, a day ruiner, to be sure. But you do have to like the usage rate, at the very least. Freddie Van Vliet, also terrible in this game. Shot 25% from the field. Raptors shot 31%. They were just all bad. Chris Boucher, back from his dislocated finger, got 18 minutes of action. I think that probably creeps up into the 22-23 minute range, so he'll be okay if you'd like to bench him until you see him get a normal allotment of minutes, that's fine. I'm probably just trotting him out there because he can get it done in 20 minutes of ballgame. 
Kemberch, pass. Gary Trent, pass, particularly in category leagues. Points leagues, I'll give Trent just a little bit more leeway. But coming off the bench is not a great look for him. He kind of needs Goran Dragic to be gone. And then Scotty Barnes is probably the interesting story on that Toronto side. 12-9 and with a steal, six turnovers. Yikes, bad percentages. But again, 33 minutes, that's third highest mark on the team. Played all over the floor, started at small forward, but covered minutes at shooting guard, covered some minutes at power forward. He's, He's versatile, and as rookies go, he's probably one that belongs on your roster. Again, largely because of role, although I have to believe that when Pascal Siakam comes back, that he's the guy who gets squeezed out. Maybe it's Precious Achua, but I doubt it. Boston, New York. Need extra basketball? We got extra basketball. Double OT thriller. Knicks beat the Celtics 138-134. Evan Fournier, 32 on opening night. Wow. That'll be his best game of the year. Julius Randle, almost triple-double. I mean, here's the thing about this game. When you play an extra quarter, which is effectively what happens in a double overtime game, you're going to have some big numbers. There's just a host of sell-high opportunities in this, with the exception, basically, of Jason Tatum, who couldn't throw a stone in the ocean. But no Nerlens Noel meant a ton of Mitchell Robinson. 11-17, and 17, only two blocks in 34 minutes. Like to see that number a little bit higher. Kemba Walker... Only eight shots in 35 minutes. He really did defer to the other guys. I think he'll settle in. You'll see that shot volume come up a little bit for Kemba, and he'll be fine. Derrick Rose, not enough playing time. Obi Toppin saw 28 minutes. That was kind of a surprise, although I I, I doubt we see quite that level of productivity most evenings. And then again, on the Boston side, they're pretty predictable. Dennis Schroeder, more of a points league type He'll have his fantasy issues. Not a bad game for him, though. 32 minutes here. And then Grant Williams, he's going to get picked up in a bunch of spots, but I would guess he goes back to kind of being a nothing when Al Horford returns, which is also, by the way, going to put a massive dent into Time Lord, who just had a huge ball game, but won't get this kind of run every night. Nor should he, because his legs will fall off. And then how about that first game for Jalen Brown? My goodness. Game of his life. Sell high opportunity there. Memphis beat Cleveland 132-121. This one was in regulation. They didn't need an extra 10 minutes. Jared Allen, 11 for 11 from the field in a losing effort. That's a really nice start for him. Evan Mobley, a good story. Played 38 minutes out of 48 in this ballgame. 17-9-6. I figured, I forget what show I was on. Oh, no, it was actually a Reddit AMA. Someone was like, which rookie do you think has the best chance for success behind Cade? And I was like, I actually think Evan Mobley might have a better chance for success because it's the only... We joke on this podcast all the time about somebody says a rookie's name and I say, who's that? Rookie big men who are not terrible at free throw shooting, those are the guys that tend to beat their mark because they can just go and shoot a good field goal percent and not ruin your free throw number, and get defensive stats, and get rebounds, and just do the things they were asked to do in college the last year, or wherever the hell they were playing, up overseas, whatever it might be this in, in our current NBA iteration, and not have to worry about turnovers, and volume shooting, and the stuff that just sinks rookie guards right out of the chute. I thought Evan Mobley would start like around maybe 20, 22 minutes and then work up into starters minutes over the course of the year. But right out of the shoot here, 
That's a draft pick that's going to pay off a lot quicker than I expected. I, I, I thought he was going too early because I thought it would take until December to really start to get a good look at it, but it uh, looks like he's rumbling now. Also of note, Larry Markinen started, played 31 minutes. That's a great sign. 14 shots is a good number for him. He'll make more than five of those most days. No, four. Do you only make four shots? No, that's not right. Yeah, four shots. Oops. Do the math, Dan. He'll make more than four out of 14. Nine rebounds. I love that. Got a steal. Got two three-pointers. I'm in on Laurie Markin. I think he ends up having a good year. Colin Sexton looks like kind of an odd man out. He'll be better than this most, most ball games, but only 13 shots is really a sign that other guys are going to get involved this year. I was confused on the Colin Sexton thing. Like, he keeps he kept getting drafted in the 60s, and I just refused adamantly to go along with that draft slot for him because last year I thought he had about as good of a season as he was going to have 24 points, three boards, four and a half assists, a steal, one and a half three-pointers, good field goal percent, decent free throw, and he was number 99. Where was the upside there that vaulted him three rounds earlier? It had to be durability, and maybe he still gets to that mark, but just from a per-game standpoint, that one didn't make a whole lot of sense. Darius Garland deferred quite a bit in this ballgame, shot five for 15. 13 and 12 with three threes is nice. I don't, I don't know that the assists are always going to be that high. They played the crazy high-tempo game here with Memphis. Um, I thought Garland was drafted too early also. But he's got a better path to it, at least this year, because of the assists, because of the threes, and he'll usually get himself a steal as well. I don't know why I'm talking so much about those guys. They're on fantasy teams. Isaac Okoro, probably droppable, based on what we saw here on opening night. Not that... Well, he probably wasn't rostered in many places anyway. But Ricky Rubio was maybe the the other big story from this game, in addition to Mobley and Markinen. Rubio, 25 minutes off the bench, double-doubled with three threes, four rebounds, and a steal. Must add. You have to add him because this team needs someone to help orchestrate behind Garland. Rubio looks like he's set to have a decent fantasy year, even in only 25 minutes a game. I wish there was a little bit more, but he just seems more comfortable here, even in one night. Remember, this is one of our homework games. On the Memphis side, DeAnthony Melton, starting shooting guard, 20 points, four boards, three assists, four three-pointers, no steals, oddly enough, but a really nice ball game. Desmond Bain, starting small forward, 22-3-3, two steals. They looked great. JJJ couldn't hit a shot, but he was fantastic with six boards and four blocks and three three-pointers. I, I really think JJJ is poised for a top 25 per game season this year. And then Ja, much like last season, got off to a really great start in his first ball game. And we'll see how that thing holds up. Slow-mo had a nice game, but only 22 minutes, which means probably not something that's going to stick. It's very hard to get fantasy value in 22 minutes. Steven Adams, 32 minutes, 8 and 14. My takeaways from this Memphis game... Uh, D'Anthony Melton is a must-start guy right now. Desmond Bain is close to a must-start guy right now, although I do second-guess he doesn't shoot as many threes, he doesn't rebound or pass quite as well as some of the other guys out there. Steals are fine, but unspectacular. I just I feel like the upside is a bit limited with him 
And if you do kind of roll the dice with Bane, you might end up with like a 14-point, two-board, two-assist, one-steal type game, which is okay, but it's not going to push the boulder forward. It's more befitting of someone that... I mean, that's more streamer level, really. Melton is definitely a guy you want. Steven Adams, I thought, was actually the most interesting piece of news from this game. If he's really going to start and play 32 minutes and basically just take over JV's role, then he belongs on fantasy rosters. I really thought that the plan was for to kind of shoehorn JJJ into a few more center minutes, but it's possible that they just don't think he's big enough. And if that's the case, Steven Adams, pick him up. Woo, is Houston bad? This is going to be a long year for the Rockets. I'm mostly throwing this game out because they were just terrible. Uh, I liked that Jayshon Tate started, but he was awful. Kevin Porter Jr., I mean, we talked about how he may hurt you more than he could ever help, and this game was a perfect example of that. Nine turnovers, four for 12 shooting, one for two at the free throw line. He was, he might was he the worst fantasy line on the whole board? I think he might have been the worst fantasy line because of the damage he did when he was on the floor because he just crushed you. It would have been better off having someone who literally did nothing. Tried to warn you guys. I tried to warn you. Sometimes avoiding the, the giant bowling ball strapped to your ankle in the ocean is actually more important than the guy you do get. I dodged Christian Wood because I didn't know about his free throws and he went two for four there. Daniel Tice I picked up in the 15th round in a couple of spots. It seems like there might just not be enough of a desire to win to make sense there. So go ahead and punt on Tice. Whatever. Drop your last round pick. Uh, I'm holding on to Jay Sean Tate. At some point, they're just going to have to let him play more than half a ball game. But they were losing so bad that they just thought, screw it. Jalen Green, he's going to be a percentages killer this year. Suited for points leagues, though. You're not moving on from him. Uh, and then Alperin Shengun, who's everybody's gone nuts about, had a really nice line, actually, in 18 and a half minutes of ball game. Problem is, it's going to be really hard to do this in 18 and a half minutes of ball game. And it's going to be really hard to do this when it's not sort of gar- garbagey type basketball. Although, saying that, I also realize a lot of Houston games are going to be garbagey basketball. Uh, I wouldn't expect things to go this smoothly for him every single night, especially while everybody else is terrible. Although, you can see the upside built in a little bit, and you can kind of understand why everybody was getting gaga over him during draft season. But I don't think this, like, I don't think that 18 and a half minutes goes up all that soon. It's going to be a little bit of time there. If you can be patient, head to head leagues, you can make a case like he's not a zero, he's an active stash, as we like to call it, then that's okay. Jaden McDaniels had seven defensive stats for Minnesota, but he took just three shots in 26 minutes, and I know that this is a weird thing to say, but I don't think you need to hold on to that. There's just nothing left. 21 shots for Anthony Edwards, 16 for D'Lo, 15 for Carl Anthony Towns. Even Malik Beasley couldn't get enough, not that we advised getting him anywhere anyway. But to me, this is really a four- or a three-player team. Cat, D'Lo, Anthony Edwards, that's your fantasy team. In Minnesota, they're going to win a few ball games this year, but let's not get too excited about beating up on Houston, barely an NBA franchise right now. Philly blew out New Orleans, so again, blowout rules in this one. Tyrese Maxey was kind of the only 
76er who played normal starters minutes. And as we talked about at the outset, with the Ben Simmons stuff going on, Maxie's a must-start guy. He's their point guard right now. Matisse Dybul came off the bench, but played 27 minutes and had five defensive stats. I know he, he literally did nothing else. Two points, one rebound, and five defensive stats. But I'm starting that in pretty much any league because he might win me those two categories by himself. Andre Drummond got some bonus run with this game well in hand. He ended up with 17 rebounds in 19 minutes. That's one of the craziest things you'll see in a while. Joel Embiid didn't need to work that hard, neither did Tobias Harris. Furkan Korkmaz came off the bench for 22 and lapped Danny Green, who I I still think Danny Green could be like a top 100 guy that just sort of rumbles along this year, but I get it. If you want to hunt upside, you can move on. I don't care. That's not one of those things where it's like, you must hold on because there's top 50. No, there's no top 50 potential there. And you're also not picking up Korkmaz because he's generally not going to get 11 shots in 20 minutes. And for New Orleans, things are ugly, man. Josh Hart got hurt in the first 10 minutes, so that's going to open up even more miscellaneous crud. They're down Zion. They're down Hart now. Brandon Ingram should get every shot he can possibly handle. If he's, if he's even somewhat efficient, that should auger nicely for him. Nikhil Alexander-Walker stuck it in my face on opening night with an efficient shooting performance, although some of what you saw here in his fantasy line should give you the pause that I tried to give you during draft season, which is he had a really good game, and outside of 23 points and four threes, he had five boards, one assist, one steal, one block. The steals, the blocks, that stuff's a little bit fluky for him. The assists are going to be low. The rebounds are not going to be very high. And if he's not shooting well, which he generally doesn't, you're talking about a guy who, again, might end up hurting you more than he helps. I mean, we're not even close to KPJ level there. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he'll be much closer to sort of like a break-even kind of fantasy player. But this is one of the better games simply because his field goal percent was good. Devontae Graham looks like he's going to actually have a decent opportunity here, at least in the short term. And then while you might hate the fact that Jonas Valanciunas decided to make three out of 19 shots, the fact that he took 19 shots in a, in a half an hour of basketball was really good. 12 rebounds, three assists, had a block. Everything was there. Um, he's just due. Like, he's going to have a game coming up now where he goes like 12 for 14 and it all balances out. Love JV this year. If you can get your hands on him after this ball game, I absolutely would. San Antonio, another blowout. So, again, I don't want to read too much into the playing time stuff, but it's worth noting Derek White, good ball game. DeJounte Murray, good ball game. Jakob Pertl, good ball game. Devin Vassell came off the bench for 25 very efficient minutes. Probably won't be this good most games. Lonnie Walker, 25 efficient minutes. Definitely won't be this good most games. Keldon Johnson, points and rebounds. That's your specialty. Don't like his nine-cat game. Y'all tried to convince me to like him, but I'm not coming around on Keldon for 9-cat. And on the Orlando side, Mo Bamba, starting center. Wendell Carter Jr. was a starting power forward, played only 19 minutes in this ballgame. Actually, a pretty good 19 for Wendell Carter Jr. Better per game, or rather per minute output than we expected. But Bamba, just a much better fantasy player. Franz Wagner. 12-4-2-1-2, he'll lose his job when Jonathan Isaac comes back. And then the guards on this team are just not at all ready for nine-category formats. Cole Anthony, you could probably grab in points leagues. That'd be fine, I'm fine with that. Jalen Suggs, 
You could probably grab him in points leagues. Really rough ball game here, but category-wise, you're basically looking at Mo Bamba, and that might be it until Isaac comes back. Utah blew out Oklahoma City. Another blowout. There's nothing to analyze on the Utah side. Okay, see, there's something to analyze. Lou Dort still can't shoot. Darius Baisley still can't shoot. Although Baisley at least made four out of five free throws. Josh Giddy started, played 29 minutes in this game. Four points, 10 rebounds, and three assists. The rebound's a little bit weird. The other stuff, predictably difficult for a dude playing his first real competitive NBA game. Even Shea wasn't very good. And I've been saying that. Why are, I don't know why everybody's been drafting Shea in the late 20s and early 30s. This is another situation where we're just creating something in our minds that wasn't there. Last year, Shea averaged 24, 5, and 6 and was number 53 because the defensive stats came down as his role got bigger. He became much more of a popcorn basketball player. He's Malcolm Brogdon, but the free throw number lower and the field goal number higher. And he's a shutdown risk. OKC scares the crap out of me, man. I don't know that you need... Shea is obviously a guy you're going to be starting nightly, but I don't know that anybody else needs to be started. And then look at Poku, 15 minutes off the bench. We're going to remember, everybody's going to remember Evan Mobley's big ball game, but for the most part, rookies that got drafted even remotely early got sort of peed on here on day one. That's how it works. It takes time. It's why I don't draft them. Because I generally don't play in leagues where I can just squat on somebody sucking for two months. If you can, more power to you. I just can't. Denver beat Phoenix. This was the bet we won yesterday. Little playoff revenge game. Will the Thrill looked good in this one. Pick up Will Barton everywhere. Jokic, MPJ, those guys were solid. I'd like to see Michael Porter Jr. get more than 10 shots, although Phoenix slowed this ballgame down. This was Denver only got to 110 points because they were super efficient with their field goal percent. Phoenix, very easy team to handicap. How many of you guys got suckered into Devin Booker this year? I, I tried so hard to tell you not to draft him. And Chris Paul looked like Chris Paul right from day one. I told you, we weren't going to draft Chris Paul this year, and then he just fell into the 30s again. And lo and behold, we ended up with a whole bunch of Chris Paul again. My Phoenix win total under off to a good start after one day. <laughs> one day. Who cares? If you're, By the way, if you're holding on to Monty Morris, you could move on from that. There's no upside there. Sacramento, Portland, this was a fun one, 124-121, Harrison Barnes, brilliant opener, Rashawn Holmes, brilliant opener, but he healed into a nice bench roll, 17 points, only nine shots, De'Aaron Fox, 27-5-8, missed a bunch of free throws, actually missed some shots also, and that's going to be the ding on him, if the field goal percent isn't brilliant, He's going to have a tough time getting anywhere near his ADP. Portland, CJ McCollum, big first game. Nurkic, big first game. Dame, big first game. Rocco, meh. Would have liked a steal or two in there, but otherwise, that's sort of around what you expect. The only real fantasy note on this ballgame, since both these games were pretty, both these teams were pretty easy to handicap, was Larry Nance only playing 17 minutes. Picked up some fouls quickly, but basically just backed up Rocco. He was the backup power forward, and I don't know that that's a sustainable way to use Larry Nance. He's too good for that. 
and some stuff coming out from the Portland media already that their best lineups yesterday both involved Nance, one of them at the four and one at the five. Actually, you know what? I think they were both technically the four. Cody Zeller might have been out there for one of them as the five. I don't know. Interchangeable pieces, I guess. But Nance, just a good passer, good defender. And Nurk, I know, is having a really nice offensive game, so that's going to be a tough time to get him off the floor. But Portland's going to have to figure out a better way to utilize their pieces than whatever we saw in that ball game. But it was just night one. And you probably drafted Nance with, like, your 13th round pick. So don't worry too much about it. If you're freaking out and you drop him, who cares? I'm holding because if Nance gets 25 minutes, he's more than good to go. And I've got to think it moves in that direction. Plus, Nurk or Zeller, one of those guys is going to be hurt within the next two weeks anyway. And then Nance gets those minutes. They probably just go right to him. Folks, we continue to recruit here at HoopBall. If you want to write for DFS, Full Season Fantasy, or podcast about your favorite team, holler at me on Twitter, at Dan Bespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We're also looking for salespeople. If you want to turn your ability on the telephone into some dollars, hit me up about that as well. Again, it's at Dan Bespers on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. What to watch for on Thursday night coming up in 30 seconds. But first, a word from our partners at manscaped.com. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you may get over at manscaped.com. They've got the performance package 4.0. Comes with the main product. They call that the lawnmower over there. The lawnmower 4.0. They still actually have the lawnmower 3.0 if you want to get... This is like when the car dealership comes out with a new model. You can still get the old one kind of on discount. Got a brand new weed whacker. That's the ear and nose hair trimmer. The uh, crop shaver. That's the three-blade razor. They've got the plow. That's the, that's the single-blade straight razor for the face. The shears. I actually have one of those. Luxury nail kit. Very much enjoying my nail clipper so that I don't just pick them off while watching stressful sports. I mean, I still do, but whatever. Boxers, t-shirts, travel bags, shaving mats. So, you know, hair doesn't get everywhere. They've got wet wipes, deodorants, deodorant for your feet. If you got them stinky feet. Toner, cleanser, body wash, powders, exfoliants, and cologne. Which, um... I think I gave that to I think I gave that to somebody. I don't wear a scent. It's a little bit of a, a little bit of an older man scent than what I'm accustomed to, said the guy who's very nearly 40. Um but check out their stuff, please. They got really good stuff. The lawnmower in particular is outstanding. I use it on my face, I use it on my neck. It's it's stellar. The pinching has gone away. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOPBALL20. Not a whole lot to watch for tonight, so this segment won't take very long. Just three games on the docket, but some teams that haven't played yet, which does add one small element of intrigue. Dallas and Atlanta. Not much to look for here in terms of, like, what could emerge brilliantly on Atlanta? 
we just want to see which of those wings, shooting guard, small forward types, can anybody kind of rise above the rest? Because they got a lot of them on that team healthy right now. With Dallas, I'm curious if anyone besides Luka and KP can actually sustain fantasy value this year. Forget one night. Tim Hardaway Jr. feels like the closest thing to a sure bet there, but could someone like Dwight Powell be interesting? Could Reggie Bullock be interesting? I doubt it, but we'll keep an eye on it. Milwaukee, they're without Brooke Lopez, without Drew Holiday for this ballgame, so I am very much throwing Grayson Allen into my lineup. Some of you might also feel the, the burning fire to throw Pat Connaughton in there. Fine. I don't think I have quite the stones to do it, but, I mean, hell, have at it if you want. I don't know what the Bucks are going to do with Brooke Lopez out. He played 30 of their 48 center minutes in that last ball game. You probably see Giannis at center a lot. And then I'm actually not sure. It's it's really unclear without Brooke Lopez and without Bobby Portis. This would have been a brilliant Portis night, but not to be. To be or not to be. You guys remember that scene in The Last Action Hero? There's a throwback. Uh, Miami playing their first game of the year. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, those guys are all solid. I do wonder if anybody else will actually hit inside the top 100. I think Duncan Robinson probably ends up in that like 120 range on a per-game basis. Tyler Hero, probably not all that far from there also. So my guess, if, if Vegas gave me even odds on that one, I would take the no. I think Miami's a three top 100 fantasy player team. Three good ones, you know, top 10, top 15, and then like a top 60. But I don't think anybody else makes it inside. And then the Clippers also starting their season against the Warriors. By the way, I don't much care for the betting lines on these uh, these games tonight, but we can talk about that on Twitter if you like. Clippers, I am laser-focused on Reggie Jackson's usage in this ballgame. I want to know how much they're going to let him run things or if it's really going to be just all Paul George all the time. Do they stagger those two guys so that Reggie can kind of potentially start the ball game but then run the second unit when PG's not on the floor? I think Reggie could have a really nice season. I just don't really know how the Clippers are going to deploy their pieces. Terrence Mann got a lot of hype during the preseason because of a pretty good playoff run. I don't know that that necessarily sticks, but he's something to keep watch on with the Clippers as well, and that's probably about as far as it goes. I don't think Marcus Morris hits nine category value. He might hit a points league target, or if you're like punting everything besides scoring and threes and you need a big man there, basically like a big man punt. He's your big man in a big man punt. But really, I'm staring at Reggie Jackson. I'm watching this game and I'm just watching what he's doing. With the Warriors, this is an opportunity for me to see if my call on Nemanja Bjelica comes true, which is I think this guy really profiles as like a 10.6 rebound guy on this team. If he's really playing about 25 minutes a ball game, um, like he got he was fired up for that opener. I don't know if this one rolls quite the same way. Lakers were disjointed anyway. And then with the Warriors, Draymond Green's got a minutes cap on. Andrew Wiggins has a minutes cap on. So as those things start to come around, you see what that impact is. So, you know, keep an eye on Bielitsa. I, I, I'm not overly optimistic about his role beyond, like, the first couple of weeks. He'll be out there, but he's just not going to get to do as much as he did in that first game. And he's not going to shoot 85%. I think he'll be, I said this, I, I believe, two days ago. I think he'll be 
the most added and most dropped fantasy player of the first 10 days of the season. That's my call on Bielitsa. And that is my call on today's podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Shout out once again to Manscaped.com. Please do bug me on the social media. I do a lot there, and I'm doing more again this year. But not everything on social media. The best stuff still goes to our Fantasy Pass subscribers. If you don't have one of those, you should consider getting it because we have Discord live chats every day. The great Adam King, who will be back on the podcast with us here next week, and myself, we have a running live chat in Discord between the two of us, basically about everything that's going on on the nightly basketball card so that anybody in there sees the thoughts as they happen. This is how we're reading the games on the screen. This is how we're looking at the numbers. And so we're making moves, and people can see it in real time. You don't have to wait even until the games are over. Like most folks, I put out the first ever, I think, tweet storm some three and a half, four years ago, whatever it was here. A lot of guys do their thoughts at the end of the night now, and that's cool. I appreciate that. I know that everybody, I think that they're all aware that I kind of started that. But you know what? Those don't come out until the games are over. You know what comes out before they're over? A running live stream of fantasy basketball thoughts in the Hoopball Discord with the pros. So get yourself a fantasy pass to come join us over there. If you want to figure out how to get into the Discord, just hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I can help you get in there. We also might be betaing a free element of, uh, of Discord at some point here in the not-too-distant future as well, but I'll keep you guys posted on that too. 31 shows in 31 days continues. Tomorrow we'll do it all again. Because now we're in the what day is it part of the year, meaning real basketball. I'm actually kind of looking forward to only a three-game card tonight. My brain needs a brief mental respite as I sort out my way too many leagues. Have a great Thursday, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. Hasta mañana. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.